And welcome back to this podcast with the London Dance Orchestra presented by myself, Robin Harris. And in the studio today, we are very lucky to have the wonderful professional dancer, Margella. Hey, Margella, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And (laughs) as I was listening to that intro, I just suddenly realised that the difference with this podcast is that actually we decided to film the visual as well because we thought we'd trial something. So it means I've got a smile while I'm speaking at the same time. Um, It's such it's a pleasure to to have this opportunity to chat. And um, obviously, the last year has been a a testing time for many performers and artists. Um, We met when we were working together at the Ritz and obviously we share an evening of performances where the London Dance Orchestra put together an evening of um, uh, live music for dancing effectively and um, and you have your sort of a little vignette in halfway through the evening where you showcase some 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 fantastic choreography that you've put together with your dance partner Oliver and for anyone listening to this as well who's unfamiliar with the London Dance Orchestra, um, the band started around 12, 13 years ago. I've been the musical director from the beginning. And one of the th- principal reasons why we, why I felt so passionate about setting up the band was to really link between movement and choreography and dance and live music. And, and it was a, a big thunderbolt moment for me in my head when I saw that playing music of whatever heritage genre that we're particularly attached to i i loved the reaction that we got from people both audiences professional dancers i just love making music for dancing and i think margella i think you probably feel the same but on the flip side right you love hearing music which then makes you want to dance absolutely i think um the end result is 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 often the same though you know we, we both have the uh the same kind of goal at the end of it and it is to kind of connect with an audience and to connect with people so i think we kind of have the same um it lies in the same area for both of us i think for sure definitely so we we've you kindly prepared a playlist today because we just wanted to look at some music that that has inspired us and um, and music that particularly means something to you personally i mean in the podcast i think it, we want to talk a little bit about you know what led you into becoming a professional dancer um what inspired you but just to kick off with i mean singing in the rain is a classic why what why did you want that at the beginning of this playlist um i think that is something that's going to resonate with everybody that song um and also the obvious gene kelly is definitely right up there one of my biggest inspirations and kind of a big inspiration for us for my show um at the ritz so i think that was just a good a good and important song to start with i think but gene but gene is i mean in terms of his his persona how is his persona different to someone like fred astaire um with gene i feel like he connected with uh my in my opinion connected with um the everyday person, you know, he connected with everybody. Um, and he almost allowed us to feel um, when we watched his movies and we watched, um, you know, his different his different roles that he played, he allowed us to kind of feel like we were part of whatever he was doing in that time, whatever movie he was, uh, whatever movie he was playing or, you know, whatever role he was playing, he allowed us to just be a part of it. And I think, that's something that, that that's why I feel uh, particularly connected to to Jean. Because it's an important thing, that isn't it? As a performer, you you want to feel 
so if you say someone's personable you can relate to that person and obviously his persona on the silver screen projected that image of you know he was just the guy you could you could relate to him you feel you felt warm with him right and I guess is that something that you I mean with dancing because I guess you could alienate people by doing something really flamboyant absolutely and I think that was um you know again uh, reason why Gene inspires me most um it the most is because you know he he kind of stripped back the the idea of having to wear the uh, top hat and tails, which is amazing, you know, and you mm. can't deny how how wonderful yeah, that, is, look, how yeah. that looks, you know. But he also allowed, um, he allowed us to, you know, be able to wear a t-shirt and, you know, work a men's trousers and some loafers and still be able to put on the, the, the best and, the you know, the most amazing performance, equally as good as what Fred Astaire would have done in his top hat and tails. So he spoke to, I believe, a wider... Um, audience um and that's yeah. you know that's why i think i've connected with them for sure that's it's really interesting actually a point isn't it because obviously in 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 the in the the film singing in the rain what his clothes were presumably that would have just been like the average joe's suit out outfit to go to work so he was very much every other person he was the he was the guy but he just had great great movement and i guess that makes people think well he can do it i can do it i mean why why not you know um the thing i remember about that film is the athletic um efforts of the i can't remember who the the third the third uh, third actor was but the person who was doing the somersaults off the walls uh, and that was just something else as a kid that really inspired me um luckily i didn't manage to fulfill any of those stunts otherwise i'd have probably broken my neck in the process um Let's let's go. <laughs> let's go on to the your next tune. Um, I'll play it in, and then maybe we and then yeah, we can talk. Heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly speak, and I seem to find the happiness I seek. When we're out together, dancing cheek to cheek, yes, heaven, I'm in heaven. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a space in the orchestration of those instruments that you hear with this sort of the tickling snare and the kind of the light tinkering of the piano and then obviously Satchmo's sort of honey-toned vocals that purr over the top of that, but the thing I feel when I'm listening to that and when I play that tune many times Cheek to Cheek is such a beautiful tune um, you sort of there's a lot of space you float in that in that area where you when you're listening to that song I mean what's the sort of response from a dance perspective with that song uh, you know what you've used the exact word that was in my mind there that feeling of just kind of floating oh, around the dance floor um, it's, it's that feeling and also just um the story that you hear through, you know, the words of that song and how it is, how it sang, um, it kind of speaks for itself. And I think that really, those um, pieces of music really inspire me, you know, all the time to kind of create something really beautiful and, uh, you know, with a story behind it and not just a dance piece, not just something for the sake of, you know, dancing. Um, there's definitely, they, those pieces of music allow 
um, me to create something really beautiful to kind of further the storytelling that's already been made, you know. Because you, because the, the the sort of you, you perform for about twenty twenty five minutes uh, when you do your 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 little show part at the Ritz, and I mean, just explain to us how that works then, because you said you don't you don't just sort of compile singular pieces of dance. You you've thought about a follow through a narrative that runs the way through it, right? Is that absolutely? Um, so you know, I again, I believe that there's no point in you know creating anything unless you have a heartfelt connection with with what you're doing you know and I think it's the very sure. same with you um, I would say music wise mm-hmm. uh, same thing so for me I just didn't I didn't I don't want to just go and do any you know any sort of dance piece just for the sake of it it has to come from somewhere it has to mean something for me for me to enjoy it as well you know I, I, I want to go out there every night and and enjoy what I'm doing um, and actually, when I do it, I feel like I'm almost transported back to that time. And I genuinely feel like I am in I'm in that character, you know, and it's really me. But, uh, you know, the, the 20 minutes um, kind of slot that we do at the at the Ritz, um, it's it's a mixture of, uh, you know, a mixture of a Fred Astaire uh Ginger Rogers, Gene Kelly and Sid Charisse type story. So there's kind of an element of air and grace about it, but also kind of a little bit of um, a bit of a punch behind it as well. And what we do, you know, throughout the story. And um, I think it definitely from one piece to the next, from one dance number to the next, it definitely takes you kind of on a journey through uh, through um, a bit of a I wouldn't say a love story. It's more like a companionship is how I look at it, really. Um, which I guess, you know, it was always kind of a love story back in those, in the MGM kind of movies, but now, but I kind of just wanted to give it a little twist and, you know, it's not always about the the man, the male coming along and rescuing the female, you know, it's a bit of a kind of a mixture of two things. Um, and I, it's, it's kind of just a more of a companionship, a story of a companionship really. Definitely, I think the friendship comes across with that, and you've got such a great rapport with your dance partner Oliver. I mean, what I what I've observed, um, just some obviously playing around it, and then obviously from from this Friday, in fact, we're we're going to be playing with you as well at the same time, which is a really exciting uh, addition to the, the show part of the evening. Um, but I love how you how you warm the audience into it with it. You know, we have a bit of dry ice or a bit of haze, and and the, immediately the sort of the mood kind of comes across the dance floor. You feel something come out of the dance floor um and just just that gentle kind of you know people have been enjoying their food and just gently the the patter comes down in volume and suddenly their attention shifts to what's going on with you and oliver and it's a, it's a really magical thing to see actually I, I'm, I'm always impressed yeah i quite i uh, made a point of it being you know um the fact that we don't just come out and, and dance straight away they kind of the audience i like the fact that they get to know my character, Oliver's character, slightly, ever so slightly, you know, there's not, you know, a whole whole, um, amount of time to do that in, but we do, I do try to kind of get that across, you know, to get to know us first. So we, again, that feeling that Gene Kelly made us feel that we were connected. I want the audience to be connected and feel like they're, um, they're with us. They're, you know, they're in it with us for the 20 minutes that they watch. I, I love your point about it being about an emotional connection as well, because, you know, that as a musical director, when we put together, I mean, we play all evening. We've got like three hours of music, we're 180 minutes just divided into sets, of course, not, you know, we, we're allowed a sandwich and a, and a glass of water about halfway through. But, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, if we're lucky. Uh, we have the cornice cut off. That's always nice. Um, no, we... I think the choice of the songs that we play is so integral and 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 that's something that goes through my mind is is always thinking well what what do what really connects with your audience and what really makes them kind of just enjoy that full convivial experience in the Ritz which is you know it's the dining it's the environment it's the fantastic waiters the service and then of course the music and the dancing so it plays a part but I think that that emotional connection um, and you know when you've hit jackpot when you you see that response whether it's an applause or what have you it's uh, it's and you know or even people just they show their appreciation in in so many subtle ways as well and it's always a, a really lovely thing to um to uh, to see um let's go on to another song um this is a good this is a great choice let's play it and then talk about it i knew a man who jangles any dance for you in worn out shoes silver hair ragged shirt baggy pants he would do the old soft shoe He would jump so high, jump so high And then he'd lightly touch down Told me other times he worked with, with minstrel shows Traveling throughout the South Spoke with tears of 15 years How his, how his dog and he They would travel about But his dog up and died Dog up and died And after 20 years he still grieved yeah, beautiful song. Um, Sammy Dose Jr., obviously one of the Rat Pack, but um, a, a magnificent, unique performer in his own right. And um, I just love, I love hearing all the brass just as it came in at the end there, you know, all the horns and uh, the sort of the, the, sen- the sort of uh, alluding to the kind of the big band sound, which I've talked to about with Ian McKenzie in previous episodes. Um, why, why, why that song, Margella? That's a clear winner clear favorite to me that song I think that speaks for itself um to be honest I think that song the reason I kind of put that in there is again to kind of um speak about the storytelling and how important I think um it is and how how much that comes into my um into my show and 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 the way that I like to create and choreograph I think that song you that piece of music a piece of art you don't even have to do a lot you just sit and listen to that you know and and hear the story you're transported to that place you know where what he's talking about you really can visualize everything and um yeah for me that one was just really to kind of um speak speak more about the storytelling and how important it is and how you know without that i think you're kind of you're at nothing yeah yeah i mean this is it i mean it's like great song great songs great choreography i guess we need to see some of the darker sides of humanity we need to see the vulnerability right the emotional connection that people have with with story and mr bajangle's story about a sort of a you know a, a, a what would you describe him as a kind of a a homeless guy dressed in a quite a funky way in a, in a new orleans prison um slightly you know that kind of yeah he, I mean, 
yeah, exactly what you described. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, what talking about um, the, the sort of the, the the past and kind of what led you? Because I'm I'm always quite interested when I work with with performers, fellow performers. I always like to know a little bit about that. What inspired them? And it's so rare on the bandstand or on the gig. You have such a, it's so rare that you can actually say. And how did you find your way into this industry? You know, but um, I think from anyone from an outsider, I mean, yeah, sure, we're two like industry professionals talking to each other. But I do think it's really interesting how we found our way into these professions how did you find your way into dance um it's pretty much been part of my life since i can remember my mum and her uh twin sister my godmother and they both um have danced their whole lives and my 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 granny um so it's been part of my life you know from from when i can remember they have a dance school back um in my hometown back in Ireland. So, you know, I think it was pretty much as a child, I was, you know, I wasn't sent to a childminders. I was put into the dance class and mm. just, you know, that was kind of what it was. It was surrounded mm. me and I kind of knew nothing else, um, if that makes sense. So, you know, it's kind of um, part of me. It's just, I, I come with it. It's, it's like the add on to me. And yeah. um, so, it was kind of inevitable that that's what I was going to do really. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what was going to be in some way, shape or form. You know, I didn't, I, you know, to be honest, I never in a million years thought I would get as far as I did, to be honest, mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't think I would be now, you know, where I am. Um, and it's been a long old slog and, and hard work to get there, which, which we know and which, you know, and um, I'm sure has been the same for you. It's not mm -hmm. an easy, it's not easy um yeah you do a lot of foot soldier gigs right to get to you you just it's just what you do you just have to say yes to pretty much everything what can you are there any memorable foot soldier gigs you've done that oh you know what it's funny you say that because a lot of what i've done some of the bigger gigs that i've done um have been great but actually not the most memorable sometimes mm. actually the smaller ones along the way that are for me the favorites and the and the most memorable um along the journey you know but i mean we've done i've done some when i first moved um to to london i ended up doing i mean it is aside from dance altogether um as a little side job i was selling outdoor radiators at like a um uh, one of those big you know home shows kind of thing right. and I remember it was still a bit of a performance I still had mm. to kind of put on a show you know yeah. but I remember thinking once I was able to not do stuff like that anymore which you know a couple of years down the line and I was I was clear of those things not that there's anything wrong with doing doing stuff like that at all but you know once I was able to just solely rely on dance and performance um as a sole income that was when I thought this is you know we're, yeah. I'm there now this is what you know I've worked towards and, and I finally feel like I've kind of got there you know definitely and I I mean I so think you're, it's so true what you say about you know did you do you consciously think about your decisions to go and do what you did you know I mean I, I have a sort of slightly similar family history in that my great uncle was a, a band leader right back in the first world war um, then went on to play silent movies as a cellist 
and played, you know, piano performances. And, and, and lo and behold, you know, 100 years later, I'm doing exactly the same. I've just been booked to do a silent film at the Barbican Centre in June. You know, I'm a band leader. <laughs> I mean, it's like they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Where it's, you know, it's kind of, it, it's it's a lovely thing. And um, But I, I do feel lucky that, we you know, it's great when you find the thing that makes you, it's your calling and it makes you happy. Um, let's hear some music. Um, I'm going to skip a tune. I'm going to go on to, this is okay so this is so let's talk about genres here okay so obviously we've played quite a lot of jazz and mgm uh mgm uh, classics at the moment like singing in the rain let's go on to this choice and talk about it here we go ready for this <laughs> Oh, the heartbeat. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Sets you up, doesn't it? Yeah. You know what's coming. Everyone will know. I mean, that does the job, doesn't it? Um, move, you know, I'm dying to jump off the seat and go uh, break into something. <laughs> I mean, you know, Quincy Jones, producer, I mean, you know, and goes right back to Sinatra when he, when he produced this, um, writing the arrangements for the Sinatra and, and Basie at the Sands in Las Vegas. I mean, oh man, as a dancer though, a lot of fun, right, to hear that. Absolutely. I mean, that's... That track, I actually chose that um, for two reasons, actually. It kind of connects with, um, you know, another the other style of, of dance that I've, you know, done pretty much for most of my career, to be honest. Um, uh, for that reason, and also because um, that song in particular, the music video to that song um, was actually heavily influenced by a uh, Fred Astaire movie called Band, The Bandwagon. All right. For me, it was it's so interesting that you know someone like Michael Jackson, you know the great, that he will take influence from Fred Astaire. You know that just speaks you know so um, so loudly. So I think that for me was a huge. Uh, I love that story. I love when I found out when I watched that video and then put the connection together of the two videos, I was like, oh my goodness, of course, like, you know, of course these two greats are connected somehow, however many years on, you know, it makes perfect sense. And it also allows room and allows you to, um, you know, to, to be okay to take influence from people. I think sometimes we're afraid to almost kind of, you know, not copy, it's never copying, but, you know, to be influenced by by people and by different movements, um, you feel like you always have to really create, constantly create original 
things, which obviously you do, you know, but then to have these influences and not be afraid to kind of um, learn from these people and take from from um, these people, I think is really important. And I think that allows that allows you to do that, seeing someone like Michael Jackson do that. Totally. I mean, that, I think you, you've got you've got to study form, right? You've got to understand the heritage that goes be, before to get there. And then, as you said, there's a ju- so it seems like a real mad juxtaposition to put Fred Astaire and Michael Jackson together. In but of course, I guess choreography, like music, it's definitely the case in music. You you sort of it's an evolution. You're standing on the shoulders of giants, aren't you? You're you're, you're evolving the process, and it's organically growing. I had a question, though, while you were talking, I was just thinking to myself, what's interesting is how you have something like that, which is a very hi-fi produced sound from the 80s, you know, good for working out in the gym or what have you. You've got that where it's real kind of ear candy popping in your ear. And then you've got the lo-fi sounds like the old crackly analog vinyl, the world of, you know, pre-60s. How... How do you relate to that, though? I mean, how does it still do it for you in, in terms of those like softer sounds, those softer tones, or the big orchestral sounds? Um, honestly, I feel like um, once I feel a connection with a piece of music, it doesn't matter what era it comes from. Something mm. connects. I connect with something emotionally, and that's kind of that's it. It doesn't matter what the piece of music is. It doesn't matter you know, what era it came from, it can be anything. I think once you feel that connection, once you, you know, you, you know, you feel that you have the goosebumps, you know, on your, up on your arms and you know when something um, resonates with you. And I think that's all it takes. For me, it really doesn't matter what, where the piece of music comes from. I'll just, you know, flick through um, Spotify and I'll, and I'll hear something and I'll just, I won't even know what it is. I'm like, yeah, pause, what was that? Go back on it, something totally random that I've never even would have known existed but it's you know it moved me it made me feel something so you know that's that's where that connection lies and then in terms of dance you know dance wise I think it really just allows and gives me room to create whatever I like whatever I want that you know it breaks the breaks down the rules there's no rules when you can just um create by just a simple connection you know Absolutely. You could just go in any way. I was just going to throw in a, a song choice, which I didn't mention to you before, but I actually, just in terms of like recreation, a, a film that I saw, we saw recently in two, from 2016 was La La Land. And I thought they did a brilliant job in La La Land. I'm just going to play a little snippet of the, the, the open title. Let's have a listen to it. lovely uh lovely sort of epic beginning to that film but i again you know it, it does it hold itself up as being one of the great mgm classics probably not but i do think that there was a certain degree of empathy and sincerity that went into the making of that and i think the the producers and directors really i think they were very faithful to what made that magic of what the mgm 
era was about and and the make-believe and the romanticism of it and the magic of, of that and that's what i take away when i listen and go back to some of those old movies you know yeah i think um what i found with that um particular film uh parts of it was it, it had a similar kind of feel of um making things quite pedestrian you know the dance moves didn't look like they were dance they did not always look like they were dancing you know they they looked like you know they were um walking through walking through the dance movements if you like which is which is often what i find i try to do with my choreography i like to have it feel quite pedestrian again because i want someone watching it to be able to connect with it and not feel a million miles away from you know the steps and the movements i like to feel like someone that's watching you know the show at the ritz to be able to sit and watch it and then think oh you know i, I want to get up and try that when they when they go when they leave the dance floor you know um i think that's a really important thing as well and i think they did capture that in that movie for sure definitely well i mean definitely i was inspired to swing from a lamppost um having watched singing in the rain i'm not sure i was sober at the same time though um Let's let's go on to uh, the next choice you've got, which is Sweet Charity, Rich Man's Frug. Do I pronounce that correctly? Well, I was about to correct you and I thought I'm not going to correct you because I don't know if I'll pronounce <laughs> it right. <laughs> you're you're going to tell us about the choreographer on this, um, but let's just have a little snippet and get a sense of that wonderful world of Sweet Charity. <laughs> Bring back the 60s vibe. What was going on at this moment in the film? That's what I want to know. I mean, I mean, I love it because it's just, it's got suspense, mystery. What's going to happen next? It's, you know, look behind you. Well, I, 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 to be honest with you, it's such a long time since I've seen the film. I have no idea what the film's about. But um... you actually, the film um, is really kind of what inspired um, my uh, act slightly. Um, parts of the film, her character, um, she kind of, you know, she kind of goes to the, the big city in the in the movie, and that small part of it really kind of inspired me. Um, to almost express my story have, of me moving to a big city from my small village. Um, and that's kind of where the show took off, really, where the act, I should say, my act took off. Um, and that's the feel of when I kind of enter the, onto the stage for the first time. That is where, that's how I think, you know, the first day that I moved to London and the first kind of experience I had of the big city. Um, so that's kind of, slight you know the small inspiration from that show for sure um but that actual piece of music um i chose that because um that dance number is uh, was choreographed by bob fossey um the whole the whole show was but that mm. just that dance number i think is something that resonates with me um and bob fossey was one of the greats for sure he definitely inspired a whole style of dance um in itself he was actually someone who was, um, 
you know, when you would describe a typical dancer, you know, what, what society would see a dancer as being, you know, being, having perfect posture, perfect turned out feet, perfect turned out knees, you know, um, he was the opposite to that. His shoulders were round, his knees were kind of knocked. Um, and he basically took all of those things and just created a whole new style, a whole new dance style. And wow. that then became, um, cool. That became, you know, an it thing, which, which I think is incredible. And I really take, um, take a lot from him and from that. And I kind of take that into what I do. And it allows me again, to have room to, um, just, not always have to try be perfect and not always have to try create something that's going to be you know completely uh you know this perfect kind of look it's he's given room to kind of um just create for whatever you know however your body moves and whatever um way you can dance best he he definitely did that he allowed us to create um a bit more for ourselves i would say so he 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 so he broke through the kind of the bound the boundaries or or the barriers that led to people you know perceiving how they could how they should choreograph. I love this idea of his imperfections becoming the thing that became cool. But he must have had something that set him apart. There must there must have been something that made him just have that kind of nuance or that uniqueness in the way he choreographed. I think it was just his sheer um you know he maybe he was just cool. He was just cool. Maybe, but I do think as well, he decided, you know, he just ran with it. He decided this is, this is how it's going to be. This is how I'm going to create. This is what's going to work. And, and it, he made it work. And to this day, you know, um, Fosse is a style that everyone, every dancer knows of, you know, you, you learn it, you study it, you know, um, how to do his movements, you know, how to stand like he would. And um, that in itself is a legacy, you know, that's incredible. Um, and yeah, so I do take, I take a lot of my inspiration from from the likes of him, just people who are okay to break through and not always feel like they have to be on the straight and narrow, you know? Is there anyone today that has impressed you? Any, 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 or any production that's made you go, wow? Put me on the spot here now. <laughs> I said I would. So you did. There is a lot of um, choreographers and um, creatives who are pushing boundaries, I think, now and starting to, um, not starting to, but, you know, it, it's becoming more obvious that people are wanting to break moulds and things aren't ha- don't have to be as structured as they were, you know, they would have been before. Um, I've worked with the choreographer of who, who choreographed uh, The Greatest Showman. Oh, wow. Um, um, and he he's someone who I love to work with. Um, he really breaks boundaries and um, kind of allows to kind of move and how he, you know, whatever way he wants to move, he'll just kind of, you know, spring up and, and make a random kind of quirky movement and it will be great. And he'll just go, that's in, let's just do that. You know, and that's really cool because you then are in, you're in rehearsal with them going, okay, let's just move like that then, you know, and it's a real sense of freedom. Um, but there is, there is an, some amazing people. I've worked with some amazing people and there are some really incredible creatives that are definitely um, around right now that I think I look at and I'm like, yeah, yes. 
dancers so, in good hands <laughs> so 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 as a i mean because obviously you're, you're a dancer and you're a choreographer i mean that doesn't always go hand in hand but when you when you're choreographing yourself um is there a degree that you give people the freedom like you described this that the guy before you were mentioning that you know you you sort of give them the freedom to basically explore themselves but you kind of channel them in a certain way is that is that how it works or absolutely i think with um this act in particular and the act at the Ritz, I think I very much, you know, made almost like the skeleton of what, um, of what I wanted it to be, what I wanted the act to be, you know, the character that I wanted portrayed. And then after that, um, you know, and, and the choreography down, to, you know, to a certain degree anyway. And then after that, for me, is where the real magic happens because you allow um, the performer uh, to, really really own that character and I think when you hold someone down too much and tell them that they have to do specific things in a certain way you know you don't really get the best of them um from them and I've learned that through my experience actually through um through working myself in the industry that's most of the time when I was given a little bit of free reign uh, now and again on certain jobs that's when I learned the most and when I got the best you know out of myself and in turn, then the performance was better. But um, Oliver, um, my dance partner, he he's amazing. I mean, we do we we get together and we we do kind of create these moments together. Um, and it certainly wouldn't be um, what it is without him um, alongside me for sure. Because you know, to make like I say, and you said the same. You can see that friendship. You can see that companionship throughout the act. Um, and that takes the two of us, you know, definitely just doesn't happen mm. with just me. It's so true. And, and I think, you know, it's not to be underestimated the sort of selection and choice that you make as, you know, if you're, if, if we're going to release this, this, this podcast on LinkedIn and we, we're going to do a seminar on leadership in the arts and leadership and, and, and how to be a band leader or a choreographer. And it's so true about like how to get the best out of people. And you, you know, you have to imbue people, you have to give people so much freedom and, and not try to make them fit to a, a mold that you think they need to fit. Um, I think that was the mistake I made in the early years was like, I had a perception of the craft that we needed to focus on. Um, but actually I was stifling lots of creativity by perhaps putting people into positions where they were like, actually, I'm out of my comfort zone here. So, you know, I think the, the one, you know, waxing little about the brilliant musicians that form part of the collective, the London Dance Orchestra and the guys that come and play at the Ritz are just, they're absolutely top of their game. And the reason they're top of their game is because that's just so effortless the way that we, we pull all that magic together and, 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 and generate some really, really great sounds together. Um, I know we're going to be coming to the end of this wonderful podcast and I could talk to you all night. Um, we'll, ha <laughs> we'll have part two and part three, no doubt. Um, let's go on to the next song, which is a sweet song. I love this one. Stars shining bright above you Night breezes seem to whisper I love you Birds singing in the sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me Say nighty night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me you'll miss me Can we talk about partner dancing? I don't know why I'm, I'm just kind of going to go off off road here. But when I listen to that, I'm, th I'm trying to imagine myself in a, you know, 
in a Ritz environment. And that song, we say the band starts playing that song and Ian's singing it, what have you. I mean, partner dancing, it seems old fashioned, doesn't it? It seems a bit like, oh, the slow dance with a partner. Can you can you give me your perspective on on partner dancing? I mean, do we do it to, I mean, you know, do we really, do we sort of just push it aside the whole partner dancing thing now with all the music that we listen to today or is it, is there still a place for it? I think it's, there's definitely a place for it. I think when I see um, the, you know, the guests when they decide to get up and start having a dance um, throughout the night, I look at that and I think, oh, it's dreamy. It's dreamy for whatever reason. I think there's something in that as simply just um, being with a partner or being with a friend, any, you know, anyone and, and, and doing that kind of um, slow dance, two step side by side, whatever it may be for whatever it, the individual, you know, is that small connection and whether it's just like I said, standing there, even speaking to each other for that moment when when they're dancing, there's I think nothing beats it. That's my that's my opinion, you know. Um, and I think there's definitely room for that still. Yeah, and I also think that people come far and wide to have a very special evening at the Ritz. It means a lot to people. Uh, they they you know they've come as far as whatever internationally if they if they if they come that far. Um, and and maybe with someone they feel really passionate or strongly about, or they're just an old friend or what have you. You know, I think you can see you can see that moment in the evening where people really enjoy that and they take time out, and it can be a very special special moment for them um, in their lives. So it's uh, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of the old partner dance um, at the right time. Um, it's almost like a relive of the uh, first your first wedding dance. Some those little moments. Yeah. You know, I think it's just not that I've had a first wedding dance not yet but that's it. i can imagine that it's that feeling you know of just having that small connection and um uh that moment together you know even the kids that when the kids are watching the show sometimes you'll see the kids get up and they dance and it's amazing you know it's really yeah. amazing that that can still happen that there's and that the venue we've got a an incredible venue that that happens in you know mm -hmm. that, that, that's yeah beautiful Let's do, uh, let's hear a bit of Nat King Cole. We can't, this playlist would not be complete without the old Nat King Cole. Um, his voice, well, let's hear it. L is for the way you look at me. O is for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than anyone that you adore can love is all that i can give to you love is more than just a game for two two in love can make it take my heart and please don't break it love was made for me and you
The magic, the magic of Nat King Cole and his and his beautiful voice. I'll tell you a, an album that um, someone who's uh, I'm really impressed with at the moment is um, Gregory Porter, um, and how I know you you were playing one of his uh, songs, putting on the Ritz, his version. But I know Gregory Porter's been kind of some. I think he's got his he's got his hands on the old um, stems, the old uh, the old sort of sound stems for some of those originals, and he sings alongside Nat King Cole. Um, and Satchmo, Lee Armstrong. So they've managed to sort of find a way to kind of like um, doctor the, the recording so that he can actually be on the original. And it's uh, it's uh, quite impressive actually what how they've how they've brought that about. I'm, I'm a big fan of Gregory Porter. Um, well, listen, Margella, we're sort of coming. We're, we're at the end. It's the, of part one. Part one. What what do you think we'll talk about in our next episode? Um. You know what? I don't know. There's endless possibilities, isn't there? Maybe we'll get Oliver on for the next one. We'll have to get Oliver on. Yeah, we'll Definitely. have to get Ollie involved. Ollie's good. Ollie's good chatter. He'll he'll have loads to say. Oh, and he's a, and he's a, and we need more male people talking about male dancing so that more men dance. Yeah, and yes. the importance and where you know. Yeah, we'll get him on next for sure. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Margella. Um, it's a real privilege to work alongside you at the Ritz and um, and I'm sure this will be the start of a beautiful friendship. I don't drink coffee, I take tea, my dear. 